Hey guys, this is Cole Kublik from WJOX in Birmingham and the SEC Network, and you're listening to the AU Wishbone. White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 680. You're listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. the AU Wishbone, John. Here we're back. We're back. It is the AU Wishbone Podcast, brought to you by White Rocket Entertainment and by people like you, the Auburn family, the AU Wishbone family, our very own Patreon.com family. I'm Van Allen Plexico, and I'm joined as always by my co-host. I'm John Ringer. John, we've got a lot of news to report tonight. There's quite a bit of stuff going on. Some of it is sweet. Some of it is bittersweet. Some of it's just kind of sad. Uh, a lot of things happening. Um, I we didn't have it in our show notes, but I just thought of it this minute as we were starting the show. Uh, uh, Mike Leach, not in good shape. Oh, I put it in the show notes at the end. Ah, on the SEC, we're saving it for that. There it is. All right. Well, we are. We do have him in our thoughts and prayers. And we just want to mention that up front. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So this is a wishbone, and um, this has been a kind of a weird week. We're uh, settling into the new regime in Auburn. We have a little bit of basketball to talk about. We have some players coming and going to talk about. We have some coaches coming and going to talk about. Where would you like to begin? I'd like to begin with the big breaking news of the evening, man. It is 9-13 on December 12th is when I say that. Um, Monday night, the breaking news. The breaking news this evening is that Tank Bigsby has formally declared for the NFL draft. So I just wanted to take a minute at the opening of the show to talk about how we feel about Tank? What is his place in Auburn history? Um, yeah, you know, is there unrealized potential there? Um, and I'll start with some numbers, and then you tell me what you think of him as an Auburn That's, running back. I, you know, I was going to say, I think that we do need to look at the numbers because I think we've always looked at Tank as this beacon of hope and potential, and after three years, he goes off to his next adventure and god bless him i don't blame him one little bit have we ever taken that potential tag off of him because i don't think we have i don't think we've ever said you know there he is look at that body of work ladies and gentlemen boom i think it's pretty much always been oh he could do so much and now he's done it's truth so what do we got so, all right uh, in career these are career marks in auburn history uh, rushing attempts, he is sixth all time with 540. He is seventh all time in rushing yardage with 2,903. Mm. He is eighth all time in rushing touchdowns with 25. He is tenth all time in rushing yards per game at 82.9. Yeah. And he's eleventh all time in rushing yards per carry, 5.38. What was the last one? Say that last one again, because that's uh, what I'm y- Yards per carry. It was how much? 5.38. That seems good. 
It is good, but and what what was the ranking? Eleventh. <laughs> so okay, so eleventh all time in yards per carry at five point whatever. Yeah. Okay. Um. So the three seasons he played, then he wasn't on the nineteen team. Then he was not no. on the twenty nineteen team. He played the COVID year, and then the first potato year, and then this past year, and that's it. Gosh, that I mean. Talk about three forgettable seasons other than the tail end of this year. Because the tail end of this year really was like a little mini separate season. All right, well, let me just let me back up. Because I think we need to look at Tank's career in context. And the context is a context completely different from any players in modern Auburn history. Uh, 2020, 2021, and 2022 are three very... I don't want to say bizarre, but they are outlier seasons, right? You had the COVID year, which was Gus's last year, where we played nothing but an SEC schedule. Yeah, I was going to say, no cupcakes in that schedule. No. And he never got to get a 200-yard game against, you know, whoever, Louisiana Monroe in 2020. And then in 2021, um, it was, you know, it was what it was. And he had he had some measure of success there for a while. But then things kind of went bad halfway through the season. And then this year was just so bad. I mean, I can't think about him. I mean, you know, I think of two things with Tank. I think of him doing great, doing these great runs and and being so elusive in the open field. But I also think about him getting gang tackled in the backfield the first half of this past season, which was just so depressing because we knew, we knew it was going to be his last season. And he was not even able to get to the line of scrimmage. I mean, didn't he like – he was setting some kind of record for fewest yards before contact. Mm-hmm. Like he was getting hit by the defenders three yards in the backfield <laughs> every play. And it's like the fact that he got back to the line of scrimmage was this huge achievement, an individual achievement. You know what I mean? Because he he had didn't have any help. So, I mean – but then the last you know few games with Cadillac and everything, he looked really good, and uh, and they were because they were building that offense more around him and around the running game. But it was just, I think that his his tenure could have been so much more, but it was so weird. He didn't even get a bowl yes. game this year. No, so no cupcakes in the first year, no bowl game this year, and the collapse last year, the horrible first right, so half of the la- season this year that wasn't his fault. The second half of last year, Bo Nix is hurt. Yeah. You know, we're playing backup quarterbacks, and the other team knows we're playing backup quarterbacks and that it's all in the running game and this complete gang tackle focus on tank. And that's how the first half of this season was with the same quarterback. Well, and, and, you know, while Harson and staff were here, a very, you know, especially this season, where they while they were here, an unimaginative uh, running game design that really, like you said, put Tank in a position to fail. Yeah, and you combine that with a not a great offensive line, mm-hmm. and it led to you know a lot of poor games. So I think that when you look at how many yards he got and how many touchdowns he got, that's. It doesn't, it's not going to, when people look back years from now, it's not going to seem as impressive. And I think he almost, he almost needs an asterisk beside him saying he had to overcome a whole lot of things that other players never had to overcome. Just did. 
I, I agree totally. And I think, like, if Tank Bigsby went on to the NFL and was better in the NFL oh, than yeah. he was in college because he got put in a good offense on a good offensive line, yes. a lot of Auburn fans would be like, well, there we go. Oh, 100%. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I know he's going to do fine. Because what did we say over and over is he, he works really well when he's given space. And he never got any space until the last few games of this year, a little bit in 2020, with a better offensive line. And that's about it. I mean, you know. And he's really good, like, catching balls out of the backfield. They almost never did that. You know, because that puts him, again, out in the flat, out in space where he can make well, a move. He's so good at he, making a move on the first guy. And if the first guy is followed by, by guys two, three, and four, then he's – you know, what, do you, what, what can he do? What can anybody do? What can Bo Jackson do, you know? And for a lot of the season, Ashford couldn't make that throw. Oh, that's right, yeah. So even when he was in a position to do the thing he did really well, he couldn't get the ball through no fault of his own. Oh, my goodness, yeah. So, I mean, uh, I mean, imagine that, you know, we, we think of Trey Mason, we think of 2013 where he was just a machine. Imagine if Trey Mason had had three seasons of 2012 and then gone pro. I mean, that's almost what Tank, you know, <laughs> to a degree had to deal with. Yes. He got a, he was on a team that won, what, uh, six games, six games, and five games, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And at the end of 2020, you know, he did, he, he must have been hurt. Okay. Cause yeah. I'm looking, I'm looking back at his game by game totals for all of his games. And he had some good games kind of in the middle of 2020. And yeah. then at the end of the year, like against Tennessee, three carries for 24 yards. Against Alabama, 11 carries for 40 yards. Against A&M, nine carries for 76 yards. Hmm. I don't remember exactly, but I don't. I think I would not be surprised if there. I that season is such a blur. I almost feel like I need to go back and rewatch the 2020 season because it was like we yeah. our thoughts were elsewhere. You know, it was just hard to. You know, it was just a hard season to really. The only thing that really stands out to me about the 2020 season was uh, the the wasn't that when um, we had like Ole Miss and Arkansas both claim we cheated at the end or something and shouldn't have beat them or something, some nonsense like that. But anyway, uh, yeah. So um, I was gonna say some uh, falderall and yeah. silliness and yeah, yeah. Well, all right. So how do you kind of evaluate Tank's career at Auburn? I, I, again, I think the numbers that I just read out show he is a top 10 running back in armored history, which is a yeah. pretty elite company. Sure. You know, when you think about the names on that list, he's clearly in that category. Yeah. And he's in that category given all the negatives we just talked about. Right. Oh, you have the, the offensive design, the lack of quarterback help, the running lack of offensive line help. I think if he'd have had a, a perfect situation, he could have put up gigantic numbers. So I, to me, I think he's clearly one of the best running backs in Auburn history. I think he's – but also we will always have this unrealized potential. Yes. What yeah. could have been. That's it. That's exactly it, yeah. We'll just never know, and that's just what makes me sad is we're just never going to know because it could have been something very different than it ended up being, but uh, we'll never know. But, but I just want to say I also appreciate Tank because – he, given that was the situation, he went out there and did it every week. He thought about transferring after last season and mm -hmm. came back, uh, knowing what he was walking into. But also, he more than anybody embraced the, you know, with Cadillac as head coach and the and the new offense and the, and the team thing. And I really appreciate that about him. 
Yeah, an Auburn man. I mean, he had chances. He could have done other. He could have gone to Georgia. I mean, other play, other teams were begging him to come yes. in the off seasons, and and he stuck right. with us. And I mean, you know, we look back, and I sure am glad we had him, and I'm sure I'm glad he didn't leave as an Auburn person. But from his standpoint, I'd have, I wish, I, you know, for his sake, I wish he'd gone somewhere else from day one and never come to Auburn because um, think what he could have achieved. It just really. It's just sad to think that he, you know, it's just, you know, you look at, you look at a, a history of, of teams and Auburn in particular because of our, our, our roller coaster way of life. <laughs> um, it's really a, a lottery when you decide to come to Auburn, Auburn, what you're going to get. Are you going to come into Auburn in 2008 and, and think, well, that it's not a very good program. They're down. They're not very good. And then two years later, you got your national championship ring. Are you going to come to Auburn? In uh, after 2010, and think this is a national championship program, and you get through 2012. Are you going to come in 2012 and think, well, the program's down, but maybe I can help build something, and the next year you play for the national championship? I mean, or are you tank and you come in in 2020 after beating Alabama in 2019 when you're in high school, and you think, wow, I'm going to have three or four years at Auburn when they're beating Alabama and and rocking the land, and and you end up with uh, what? Uh, 17 total wins your entire I think I think I think Tank has 17 wins 17 mm. there's there's Alabama players get 17 wins in one season I'm almost sure close to it and he's he's going to finish his career with 17 wins I think that's right it's just you know again as an Auburn person I'm selfish I sure am glad he came to Auburn but if I were Tank I'd be like man <laughs> why didn't I go to I, Georgia or something I hear you but I also think like I think he would say He's a better person because of what he went through and his relationship with oh, yeah. Cadillac and all sure. that. So. For sure. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot more to it than just winning. But I hope that it all works out for him in the pros because he's going to have to work harder for it because of the situation he's coming out of than he would if he was coming off of like a national championship team or something like that. And that just, I just feel bad for him. And I'm very grateful to him that he did come to Auburn and he did what he did for us and then he ended up there. I mean, in terms of sheer ability – and again, we're never going to know for sure. But I mean, where I mean, wouldn't you put him somewhere alongside like a Mike Dyer, just on like a game by game, play by play basis? I think they're fairly comparable, honestly. Well, it's not like we wrote a book and ranked Auburn running backs at one point. So I think we're gonna. It's, just, it's been a while. This is an off. This is an off season topic. We're gonna do a. Uh, you can write yeah. it down right now. We're gonna do a podcast. This is nothing but running backs. We yeah. do tears. That's we're good. gonna we're gonna get into the numbers and and have some tough debates. Well, we do need to update that book, right? I mean, it's been it's been over ten years now, so it was a book of rankings and lists. So we probably need to update our rankings and lists. So, all right. Well, that was Tank. Any other thoughts about him? You ready to move on to the news about the coaching and stuff? Yep. Let's let's talk about it. All right. So we got our coordinators. What do you think? Are you excited? What do you think? We got, all right. We got. Offensive coordinator Philip Montgomery. Now, honestly, every time I see Philip Montgomery, I think, "Wait, that's the guy that covers the team." <laughs> 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 hey, what, they're putting Philip out there to, to, to call the plays, man. I can. All right, all right here we go. They're like, all right, here, here's here's Freeze. All right, Philip, what you got? Uh. Now for this play, uh. <laughs> Delay a game, coach. Delay a game. <laughs> Dang it! 
But every time I see Philip, because it's Philip Marshall of the Montgomery Advertiser, that's just going to throw me off. For as long as he's our offensive coordinator, I'm going to be confused. All right, so we got Philip Montgomery's offensive coordinator, and we got Don Roberts. Could we have a more generic name? Ron Roberts. Ron, yeah, Ron. Ron Roberts. Oh, Lord. I'm never going to be able to remember these guys' names. I'm going to be like Philip Marshall and... and uh, uh, Julia Roberts. I don't know. I'm going to be very confused. Eric Roberts. I don't know. I'm very confused. But all right. So Philip Montgomery. Let's look at the offense coordinator first. Philip Montgomery uh, coming in, I think, most recently, Tulsa. Um, Both of these guys have really, really big accomplished seasons in their past, but they also have question marks in their past. So there's a lot to kind of dig around here, right? You know, in other words, these are both coaches that if you wanted to say, Home run, grand slam, you could find a reason. And if you wanted to say, oh, these are so underwhelming, you could find a reason. So they're very interesting choices. All right, so what do you think? Let's let's look at uh, Montgomery first. I, uh, Montgomery, I think um, he, this is a guy who was the hot offense coordinator in the, in, the, in the country like in 2011 after he was at Baylor and he coached. Uh, Rob Griffin the third of the Heisman Trophy and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and he jumped and got a head coaching job at Tulsa. And I think the part of the thinking was he's going to be at Tulsa for a few years, and then he's going to be a head coach at a big school, mm-hmm. you know, at a Big Twelve school or something like that. Right? That was I think that was the trajectory he was on. Right. And he, he did, you know, two things. One is he. Uh, really brought that Baylor offense to the place where it was great. Um, mm-hmm. They, the, you know, uh, the the original version of it, they called it like the Veer and Shoot, basically. Um, <laughs> and uh, I like it. A lot of the, you know, the, if you watch Tennessee's offense this year, it's a lot of the core things that are in there mm-hmm. is what they were running even back then. The things that we've talked about. And you asked me the other, you know, a few weeks ago in this podcast. Did I like that offense? Did I want somebody for that offense? And part of my concern was I didn't want anybody with any Art Bryles on him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I didn't want his son or his son-in-law or whatever. And the good news about Montgomery is he's, he left before all that stuff happened. Yeah. So oh, he's not that person. Uh, but he, so, But he has been a head coach for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and so part of my thinking with this is it. this to me says – Freeze is not going to jump into the offense and call plays or try and micromanage it. It's going to allow him to step back and be the CEO and really focus on recruiting and the roster. Um, I think when it, he could have, hi- I mean, there was discussions that he would might hire somebody who was, you know, less of a scheme guy and more of a recruiter, like a super strong recruiter, give them a promotion to make them OC, but then he would be really involved in the offense. And Mm -hmm. I think when you hire somebody as experienced as Montgomery, um, you're not, I don't think that's going to be the case. And the other thing I would say is Montgomery, you know, has a strong reputation as a quarterback developer, a a, Mm -hmm. quarterback coach, quarterback developer, uh, and his teams, you know, the the offenses at Tulsa were a little up and down, but they were productive, and he was you know was incredibly productive when he had more talent at Baylor. So, right. can um, can I give the factoid that is mind blowing about him? Go at Tulsa, he had a season where his quarterback passed for three thousand yards. 
He had two running backs who each ran for 1,000 yards, and he had two wide receivers who each caught 1,000 yards of receiving. All in the same year, that's the only time in football history that has been done. And that's our guy now. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a very, very strong offense. Yes. And uh, when was the last time we had a 1,000-yard receiver? We talked about this a while back. It's been like a long time. I think it's never. Yeah. It, it, you know, so I think you know, we're, we're aware and we see this is where college football is going. Having you know better quarterbacks, better receivers, better passing games, and we haven't but we haven't gotten there. And so Montgomery's a guy that can come and bring that. I think I think he can come and, and bring a you know a, a better, more modern uh, spread passing offense that we have had, and in, in one that players want to play in and want to be successful in. So, by the way, I meant to say this at the top: Philip Marshall, the actual Philip Marshall, not not our offensive coordinator. He said, "Quote." I have seen what Auburn coach Hugh Freeze said at his introductory press conference, described and and characterized in different ways, none of which accurately described his words. What he actually said was he had been receiving text messages from big-time coaches. You can be assured he believes his two new coordinators are big-time coaches. I thought that was good by Phillip just to kind of say, you know, if you're feeling underwhelmed by these guys, you just aren't in on coaching, right? You're looking for somebody whose name brand is bigger than their actual accomplishments. And these guys have the accomplishments. And there's more to it that we're going to get to as well. All right, anything else about Montgomery before we get over to the defensive side of the field? I, again, I think don't underrate the this freeing up freeze to do the recruiting personnel side of this thing. That's worth a lot. Yeah. We basically had a negative two at recruiting for as a coach – the last couple of years, <laughs> and now we have a, a you know a guy who's you know actively working incredibly hard and who's good at it, and this will allow him to step back from spending so much time in the room, you know, developing the offensive game plan and, and worrying about that stuff to do more recruiting over the next few years, which is what we really need to get yes. the roster back to where it needs to be. So, I, I think it's I think that it really matters, and I think. Um, yeah, I think Montgomery has a, has a good reputation as, a, as an offensive coach. So we're getting away from the model we've been using where the head coach just leaves his door open and sits back at his desk and plays Candy Crush <laughs> and says, y'all recruits, come on in now. Yeah. And then just There's an arrow on the door that says recruits this way. This come way, yeah. yeah. Any that's happened to drift by can just walk right on in. Well, I'm glad to see that we're a little more proactive then. That might that might be a good approach. I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing. It, well, and I again, I the difference between Kisau and Philip Montgomery is like <laughs> elementary school and, and graduate school at an Ivy League. And there's, there's another planet of offensive knowledge yeah. running the offense. I mean, I really do. I think I, I, some people were concerned because he got fired as the head coach of Tulsa. And what I would say is he's a really good offensive coordinator – but only an okay head coach. Yeah, and but Tulsa we didn't hire the head small, coach. That's right. That's what I'm saying. And Tulsa is a small private school in Oklahoma. It is not the easiest job in America. No. Um, uh, and and speaking of getting fired, another Philip Marshall quote talking about Roberts that was fired at, at Baylor. Uh, Philip says, I'm not going to do the uhs, 
The fact that Roberts was fired at Baylor one year after having the Big 12's best defense doesn't mean much or really anything. Kevin Steele was fired at Clemson and demoted at Alabama before moving to LSU and then to Auburn. Al Borges was fired at California and settled at Indiana before moving to Auburn. The list could go on, unquote. So Roberts also had that happen. He's the, this is one interesting thing. They both have connections to Baylor. I didn't see that coming, the, the Baylor-Auburn connection. <laughs> you said a long time ago we were going to hire a Baylor coordinator. You just got the wrong one. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, I guess. Uh, it's weird that this staff has like Liberty connections, Ole Miss connections, and now Baylor connections. That's not three schools I would have picked out and said, those are the three schools I really want us to go, you know, to connect to. But it's it seems to be okay. It seems to be not a bad deal. So, uh, all right. So, what do we know about, Don, about Ron Roberts other than he was able to hold Oklahoma to like 14 points when they had, you know, their big offense rolling a couple of years ago? Yeah. Yeah, two years ago, when they, they had Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams, and Baylor held them to 14 points with Roberts as coordinator. Yeah, that's when they that's were winning good. the Big 12 and yes. winning the Heisman Trophy and doing all kind of cool things at Baylor. That so again, Roberts is a you know a veteran coach. He's not old old, but he's been around. Um, he he was. Arand, Dave Aranda's mentor. Yeah, and a lot of the that. guys from Aranda and some other guys are kind of from the Ron Roberts kind of coaching tree. Um, and then he went to work for Aranda at Baylor, and and he had a bad year, and, and Aranda fired him. But I think it again. I think Philip Marshall makes a good point in the sense that Kevin Steele was fired a lot. And I want to be clear: I do not think Ron Roberts is Kevin Steele. But what Freeze needed was an older veteran defensive coordinator who has a lot of scheme knowledge. We've got plenty of great recruiters on the defensive staff. We need somebody who could do the scheme well and so that Freeze wouldn't have to worry about it. Yeah. And we talked last week about Travis Williams and his youth and that kind of stuff as a candidate. We did. And I think this is kind of the why they didn't want to go in that direction because I think Freeze wanted to hire someone that he could really turn the defense over to and not worry about it and that the schemes were going to be fundamentally sound and well done and that he could, you know, the, the position coaches could be great recruiters and get guys in there and then make it happen. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I, so I, like, we, I mean, you, I like Aranda, you know this. Like, I think he's yeah. one of the best coordinators we've seen in a long time come through the oh, SEC. Yeah. And this guy, it was from the you know obviously from the same tree and they coach a lot of the same stuff. So, I and I watched the Baylor team a lot last year, uh, and their defense was good. I mean, I think they were well coached. I think they they have a good sense. And you saw some of this from Miranda when he was at LSU. Like they have a good sense of how to stop kind of modern college ball offenses. All I know about him really is they run a three four, which is probably not a bad idea for us right now, but. Beyond that, I'm not really sure, you know, much about how they operate. I, a lot of what they do, I think, is trying to um, put doubt in the mind of the offense and the quarterback about what they're seeing and where the ball's going. Right. So it's sometimes it's it doesn't it's not always uh, you you see one thing and that's what it is. You see something and you think, oh, I know it. I think I know what the defense is doing, and then they're actually doing something else. Okay. So. All right. 
All right. Anything else about Roberts or the coordinators in general? I know we still need to get a wide receiver coach, right? That's the last spot we hadn't filled. Yeah, wide receiver coach. Again, I think you know, we and, and the wide receiver coach thing, my only thought is maybe Montgomery has somebody that he's worked with before that he wants to bring on the staff with him. But it is traditionally a position where you get a really good recruiter. Yeah. So there are some people out there that I think they could look to to, you know, to bring in uh, that thing. So we'll see. I um, again, I like I like uh, Philip Montgomery, and I think Roberts is solid. I think um, I think he's going to be a solid DC. I think we're you know he's been around, um, and and the, you know the other part about you know people could feel like oh he got fired at Baylor, but if we hadn't hired him, Arkansas would have hired him. He'd be the Arkansas defense coordinator today. Right. If we hadn't hired him. Yeah, and of course there's the traditional Arkansas fans taking to Twitter and saying, oh, thank goodness for taking the bullet for us, uh, Auburn, and everything, like they didn't want him or something. But come on, I mean, you know. They we heard that when we, again, I, he is not Kevin Steele, but we heard that when we hired Steele. Absolutely. We sure did, and that worked so. out pretty well. So, All right, so we'll look for a wide receiver coach, somebody that's that can um, – Recruit. Oh, by the way, is Zach Etheridge going to stay on the staff? There've been apparently they haven't. Nothing's yeah. official yet except Cadillac as of Monday night, the the twelfth. No, there. This is the other thing. Again, I think he didn't know what he was going to do, so they've had like Etheridge has been out there recruiting, mm-hmm. and some of the other Liberty guys he brought that may not be on the field coaches have been out there recruiting because we didn't have coordinators, we didn't have enough coaches. Mm-hmm. So a guy like Kent Austin was a quarterback coach at Liberty, a coordinator. He may be an analyst. But he's been recruiting. Yes. Yes. 100%. Because yeah. he's a, you know, because Freeze trusts him and he knows what Freeze is looking for in players. And because we didn't have the full complement of coaches, we could allow him to recruit. In the same way we did, like Trevon Reed recruited at the end of last year when we were short on coaches. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and on the defensive side of the ball, I, I think it's going to be, again, we he brought the defensive line coach from Liberty got Christian Robinson to coach linebackers and then Etheridge and McGriff to divide up the secondary and then Roberts as the you know as overall coordinator so yeah all right well I so what do you think about this overall uh, group of assistant coaches coordinators and assistant coaches you feel good about it it's promising yeah good bad disappointed I, I mean I again I really like the offensive line coach guy we got from Ole yeah. Miss mm-hmm. I think that was a, a good get I think McGriff is a, a good recruiter um, and a guy that you know, we've seen be productive before. Um, I'm happy that we held on to, you know, obviously the guys that the office coach, the coaches that we did. And I like the, again, I think the defensive line coach Liberty did a really good job. Their defensive line was caused problems for people. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm good with all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll, and I think again, Montgomery is a, quarterback coach and offensive coordinator, I think he'll be fine mm-hmm. uh, in terms of developing quarterbacks and stuff. So I feel pretty good about it. I, I get, I, until you, we knew who the coordinators were, it was tough to have a sense. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think with now with these two kind of veteran guys, we have a good balance of kind of scheme guys and, re- and recruiters and, um, mm-hmm. you know, guys who can, but also guys who can, you know, relate to the players and get them motivated and, and focused to write a play and stuff too. So I feel pretty good about it. I feel like for the first time in a long time, I feel a sense of stability. I feel like coaches that are coming onto the staff now have a chance to be on there for a while. And it's been a while since I felt that way. It's probably been 2017, 2018 was the last time I really felt like 
we had a sense of stability. And of course that, <laughs> then of course things kind of turned, but, um, but it's just a good, it's a, I feel like we're at the beginning of something. And I haven't felt that way in a while. Even with Potato in 2021, at the beginning of the year, I felt like, eh, we'll see if we're at the beginning of something. It could be the beginning of the end, right? But uh, but this feels well, like and, something more serious. And we talked about on this podcast how some of those coaches felt like they were kind of forced on Harson, and it yeah. wasn't his guys, and they yep. didn't go along, and they didn't mesh, and all that kind of stuff. And so what we have here is... Clearly, Freeze picked all these guys. I hope so. And he could have, he did, and so th- they're all going to be, I think, more cohesive and more, yes. you know, working in the same on direction, the, on the same page with each other. For crying out loud, yeah, that would be really nice. That'd be a huge upgrade. No kidding. Yes, um, nice change. I, I did note that all of these are kind of southern-oriented coaches. We're not bringing anybody in from Montana or anything in some weird experiment. And, um, and, and they're a nice mix. There's Texas guys, there's South Florida guys and everything in between. So, you know, we have had, we have had staffs that are like lean toward one part of the country or one state or two. This feels like we really can recruit the entire SEC footprint pretty effectively from one end to the other. And that's a good thing too, I think. I agree. Yeah. It matters. It matters these days. Um, we got a new offensive tackle a commitment, and we got um, Roderick Hood's nephew. What's up with that? So again, we've had a couple of D commitments lately, but we got again. Brace yourself, Van. An offensive tackle. Whoa! Wood, wood, in wood, high wood, wood, school, wood. committed to oh, Auburn. Oh, what a muse of fire! It's just stirring the soul, man. Wow! It, it's been a hot minute. Um, it has. It, it has. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think. Uh, Oh, for a muse with fire was brand new when this happened. So it was, yeah. He's uh, Tyler Johnson is 6'6, 300 pounds. And it's been a while since we brought a guy on campus who's that size. And then um, Roderick Hood. <laughs> oh, my. Could you hear that? No. There was some autoplay. I was on one of the recruiting sites. Oh, looking. yeah. No. Fortunately, it only works through my computer, apparently, with the follow um, So. You know, Roderick Hood's nephew had been committed to Michigan State because he wasn't feeling it from the previous staff. Shocker. Uh, you know, a guy yeah. in Auburn <laughs> legacy. I wasn't know. either, John. Go figure. And they got a, a four-star defensive back who's the nephew of a you know an Auburn walk-on who loved the program. Wasn't, he wasn't seriously considering us because of the previous staff. That is S-A-D. That sums it up. Um, all right. And then, so again, and there's been a lot of good, there was a lot of good visits over the weekend, and they're making a lot of connections with Auburn, uh, with recruits. I think, you know, the the what you're hearing is that we could finish in the top 20, top 15 in recruiting. Insane. And where we're coming from, that is pretty impressive. Well, there's, there's bringing in guys that are seniors in high school, but what about – we getting any portal news? Well, we we don't have any players from the portal yet, and I'm a little bit concerned about that. But okay. the rumor today, Van, yes, was yes. like category five hurricane level rumor. Okay, big news rumor: Coastal Carolina quarterback Grayson McCall is in the transfer portal. His his coach left and replaced Freeze at Liberty. So this guy has been there three years. He's a monster quarterback. He's in the transfer portal. 
and he likes Auburn. Wow. All right. Uh, right. I don't mean like, uh, you know, like, oh, wow, it's, you know, blah, blah, blah. This this guy, I'm talking about like, I think he has, in the past three years, he has like 78 touchdowns and eight interceptions, like 8,000 yards passing, 1,000 yards rushing, and another 12 rushing TDs. He is, and a very high completion percentage of passer rating. He is really, really good. Well, I mean... Are you if you are th- looking to take your fourth year to to move up, you're not going to go from Coastal Carolina to Liberty. That's not really a move. That's more of a lateral move, isn't it? Yes. Whereas if you go to Auburn, I mean, you know, we love Robbie, but you got to bring in more bodies. I mean, you know, you <laughs> in the SEC today making it the entire season with one quarterback, and we don't even plus Robbie never really got a chance to develop. We need to. I'm happy to let him kind of. You know, just marinate a little bit and learn the learn the process and everything under the new coaches, and uh, that would be awesome to bring in a proven, starting, productive guy like that. My gosh, kind of a dual threat, right? Yes, yes, he can run and pass, um, and he can, he makes plays. Like he make when the game's on the line, this guy makes stuff happen. I he's by far, I think the the best quarterback on the transfer portal. There's Which is funny because the Oklahoma State quarterback is in the transfer portal, right? Yes, and a couple yes. Spencer others. Sanders. He's okay. Uh, <laughs> th- this guy, I'm just I'm just saying, like, whoever gets this guy, it's going to be gigantic. So <sighs> there's a bunch of schools right now that are backing up the NIL truck and dumping it over this guy's head. So. Oh. Well, we could set aside, like, 12 of our 13 million NIL. I might have to go sign up for the NIL thing tonight. I'll throw a couple of patron. I'm sure the patrons wouldn't mind if I threw a couple of Patreon dollars at the NIL. That seems like a darn good use for three or four dollars of Patreon money to throw it at getting that guy. Man, nobody's going to complain about that. That would be. That would be. And I say you, man. No, so that's it. Would be a a an absolute uh, game changer kind of mm, commitment if yeah. we got him. So. Oh man, that'd be fantastic. All right, uh, so clearly over the weeks to come, we're going to have still more to talk about as all this settles out. What are we looking at in terms of deadlines and stuff right now? Again, the, the signing day is in... Not long. It's a week, 10 days, something like that. And then uh, the transfer portals open another couple of weeks, and then it closes until mm-hmm. May. So there's a whole bunch of players that got to make decisions, mm-hmm. and there's going to be you know the top players. Some have already made decisions. Yeah, some of the top offensive linemen have already made decisions. We need to get some of those guys. Yeah, you said last week that's the hardest thing. The hard, by far, the hardest thing to get in the in the transfer portal is a good offensive lineman, and we need like you know we need some tackles. We need several. Those guys don't grow on trees, as we are well aware. Well, don't you think if we could get uh, Grayson McCall, if that happens, if we could get him to say something publicly early enough. Yes. That you could kind of like say, come on down oh, here and be part of this? I agree. No, I think if he came, he's the kind of player that receivers on offensive linemen would be like, yeah, I'm in. My, my favorite uh, selling line I ever heard for something like that, and it never really worked out in real life, but it sounded great. Do you remember when Steve Spurrier at Florida had Brock Berlin coming in and he recruited offensive linemen by saying, come be part of the Berlin Wall? That was so good. Come on, man. That was 
That, that was, come on, like come on, man. That was good stuff, man. Be part of the Berlin Wall. Of course, they ended up being part of the, uh, was it Schottenheimer Wall or whatever? The, the, the kid that was the, yeah, they ended up being the, yeah, but, uh, Oh, that was a good line, though. I think I think Berlin ended up going to Miami, if I recall correctly. He transferred, but uh, anyway. He did. All right. Um, I wanted to note two interesting things I just happened to hear. Uh, there was an LSU podcast that I happened to cross on YouTube. I don't really happen across podcasts on podcast apps. I kind of know. I kind of go look for what I want, you know. But some podcasts, like ours occasionally, is on YouTube, are on, are on YouTube occasionally. And there was an LSU one, and it was like LSU's reaction to Auburn getting Hugh Freeze. And the LSU guy said uh, two things that I thought were really interesting. One, he was like, how do, and both of them related to how he ranked Hugh Freeze as a coach and as like building a program and everything. And it was all set up around what kind of a threat does LSU perceive Hugh Freeze and Auburn together to be to LSU, okay? Because, you know, any program in the West, we have enough competition already. The last thing we need is another team getting big again, right? I mean, like, you know, you know, obviously Alabama and LSU have been consistently good, and Auburn's had our years, and so the last thing we want is Texas A&M or Ole Miss to suddenly be a power, so, you know, one of the reasons that I well, one of the reasons I loved AM kind of falling on their face this past year was just to watch um uh grandma at uh at AM. Jimbo. Jimbo fall, you know, f- prove, prove me right after all this time. But the other reason that I enjoyed seeing AM poop the bed was that it set them back because they were primed, they were pegged, they were touted to be the next big thing in the West, and they were not so far. And that's very good because, again, we don't need more competition. we got enough as it is. And we're about to get Texas and Oklahoma, and I don't know how they're going to do the divisions or whatever. I don't care, but I'm just saying we're going to have more teams. All right, so so what, so LSU's looking at it the same way I am. LSU's looking at it is, you know, we've already got Alabama. We've already got, you know, we're worried about, A&M, the last thing we need is Auburn getting good again. So they're worried about if we would be. So here's what the LSU guy said. He said, Hugh Freeze is the only active head coach in college football that has won 10 games in a season at four different schools. That's pretty impressive. And including Lambeth, as well as Arkansas State, which is another connection we have here. Every coach we hire has to come from Arkansas State. Ole Miss and Liberty. Now, I gotta, I gotta interject here something of my own. Uh, when Hugh Freeze won ten games at Lambeth, they had been like two and nine or two and ten every year before that, and I have some special knowledge about that. My uncle was the department chair of the Department of Religion and Philosophy, I believe, at Lambeth for many years. He's the, he is the chairman. He's like the professor of religion emeritus. Now he passed away a couple of years ago, but he was the Professor Emeritus of Religion there, and he he told me that that Lambeth was making a series of decisions to try to be more competitive as a school because they were Lambeth College and they had to become Lambeth University even though they really weren't a university. A lot of these universities, big shock, right, aren't actually universities, right? Because it because 
you, you couldn't compete with universities if you were called a college, right? That was just, you know, it sounded like a two-year school. And then he said, then they went and got football. And he said that, that the faculty were very upset about both, but particularly about them becoming a football school when they were like a small liberal arts college, you know, in Jackson, Tennessee, near Memphis. Um, but they had no tradition, no history, nothing. They were just a little tiny liberal arts school in Jackson, Tennessee. And Hugh Freeze won 10 games there. So that's worrying to people like this LSU guy that keep track of such things. Um, the other thing that's interesting is he goes, so the LSU guy, he goes through every head coach in the SEC, and he says, would I take Hugh Freeze over this coach? And he, ne- he, he went through, I mean, of the current 14, he went through nine of them and said yes before he even hesitated. He ended up with him somewhere in the top five. He said, obviously, Nick Saban, no. Kirby Smart, no. Um, LSU coach Kelly, no. Maybe the Tennessee coach, no. But after that, Lane Kiffin, he says, about the same. And then after that, he's like, I'd take Freeze over anybody else. So uh, Florida guy, yeah, he'd take Freeze over the Florida guy, Napier. Um, This wasn't me. This is a big LSU guy doing what we do. So I just thought that was very interesting that other programs are taking this very seriously and they are concerned that we are getting our act together finally because we have been something of a sleeping giant that were, con- that were mildly discontented, content to go 8-5 and five every year and then worse. So I, this, that's one of the reasons why I'm very excited about all this. So um, do we have any other football news or stuff with the transfers, the recruits, anything like that before we shift gears? No, other than, again, I think there's going to be a whole bunch of that over the next couple of weeks. We've got plenty to talk about there. We will we will cover it here for you. We will cover it over, pull it back and look at it, talk about it, and cover it back up again. We will do it. All right. Meanwhile, I don't know if you realize this, John, but we have a basketball program at Auburn. Is that true? I, You know, somebody needs to write a book about it. They do. There was a guy on Twitter that was talking about Auburn basketball history today, or yesterday, I forgot when, and I said, you know, it's... I said, I know where you can find a book about all that. And he goes, oh, I'd love to read it. I'm like, look at my pinned tweet. <laughs> There's a link right there, baby. Just check it out. <laughs> Roll right on over there, and there it is. Um, so we lost to Memphis, but that was, a, that was a game. I could feel the loss coming from like the third minute in because it felt like a game where they would pull ahead by five, six, seven, eight points, and then we'd kind of fight and scratch and pull even. And they'd pull ahead again, and we'd pull even, and they'd pull ahead a little bit further. And you got the sense through most of the game that they were gradually getting our number, and we weren't, we, we were having to really um, stress to catch up. And it was taking like really super individual efforts by KD in particular and others. And when that game was over, I was like, yeah, that's kind of how I expected was that they, I think they pulled out to like a 17-point lead with about four or five minutes to go, and then we came roaring back and pulled it to within about eight, and that's about where it ended was around eight, nine points, and that seemed about right. But it took supreme individual efforts, but here's the problem. It took individual efforts because we're still, we're still playing pretty good defense, although they exposed us a little bit. But we're not clicking as a team on offense yet. And we were starting to do some of those bad habits that we've seen from Bruce's teams in the past when they get these bad habits. 
of we just get in the chuck and duck mode, right? We just go down and well, throw up a three-pointer, throw up a three-pointer. Well, and whoever has the ball is like, well, if I pass it, I may not get it back to shoot, so I better shoot it. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, so. I felt like two things. One, I think this game reminded me a good bit of the – I think the defense was bad in this game. Our interior defense was bad. Yeah. It got it worse over the course of the game. It did. It did. And it reminded me – again, they scored 82. Yeah. Yeah. Memphis did. We scored seventy one or seventy something. Yeah. And and when we score in the seventies, we should beat almost anybody. Absolutely. Because our defense is really good. We've been holding teams in the fifties most games. That's right. So you know when we score seventy, the, the offense wasn't great, but it should have been good enough. But the defense, the interior defense, they were doing it reminded me a little bit of the game plan in the in the in the style of the team a little bit of the Miami game in the NCAA tournament. I'm not trying oh, to give you yeah. a painful flashback. Yep. yep but yep. they right. did that thing that Miami did where they had a bunch of kind of ve- extremely veteran players mm-hmm. who had played a lot of college basketball who were good ball handlers that could initiate their own shot and make stuff happen. Yep. They pulled our bigs away from the basket. We were playing man to man defense and they would bring the centers got away from the basket so they could do back cuts or they could drive to the basket and get layups or dunks um, without Broom or you know, or Kessler in the NCAA tournament game defending the basket. And so I think it was a lot of that, and we did not re- – and, again, we're used to having a, a big shot blocker behind us, so our guys play super aggressive, and then they go by us, and then he's actually not there, and they, they yep. get a basket. That's 100% um, it. And and they and then they get you know off easy offensive rebounds because we weren't back there. So I think that that was a real problem in that game. And I don't number one, I don't think there's not a lot of teams that can do that in the same way that Memphis can. But we got to be ready for it because other teams are definitely going to try it. Uh, They've laid it out like a blueprint for how to beat us. Yes. And as long as we're struggling on offense, that'll work. We struggled on offense against Miami last year, and we struggled on offense here. Yes. Very much. And so I think you're right. Part of it is we need to execute better on offense yeah. and get the get more baskets and get more scoring opportunities. Um, take, we need to get more fast breaks when we get turnovers and we successful fast breaks. We, that, we, that wasn't a good thing in that game either. So um, We forced a lot of turnovers in this game and didn't capitalize on them. Yes, yes. We had like... We at one point we had caused like thirteen turnovers on them, which was something they didn't normally do, and yet we only scored like seven points off of them. That's right. It should have been like double. It should be like twenty six off of thirteen or something like that minimum. Well, I mean, you know, one one good three point shooter on this team solves all your problems, and and Jabari was able to do that last year to a certain degree. It's just that he had to do too many things. He couldn't just be Bryce Brown. He had to also be. You know the forward that goes down in there in the in the and and, and does stuff down and, close to the basket and play good defense and a lot yeah. of their best boot guys too. So. Yeah, so um, I think well we've done this every year, right? We lose, we lost to UConn uh, that kind of woke us up. We mm-hmm. lost to Duke in that one game, you know, that was close. We have that one game every preseason where we kind of get smacked in the face and go, oh. Okay, because I saw Auburn people. This is ridiculous. I saw Auburn people on like the Facebook Auburn family group. Like, I'm so concerned about our team. Oh no, what are we gonna do? And I'm just like, we do this every year. I, it's not the time to push the panic button yet. 
No, and I, I mean, and Bruce said it. He said we weren't as prepared as and and ready to play as we should have been. Right. And you could see some of that in the game. He said that was on him. And I think one of the things about this team, they have been very ready to play and focused, and it wasn't a hundred percent there. And I think we got a little bit at coached. I think yeah. the Memphis staff had a good game plan to attack us and to take advantage of what we were doing, and it worked. And their guys were ready. We're this is the other thing about who Auburn is now, and it's a you know a different planet for fans like us. But we are the hunted. You yeah. know, everybody that goes into a game against us thinks, "Oh man, it would be big if we could beat these guys." We want to get on TV if we beat Auburn. Yeah, no, that's right. And 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 Bruce also said the new guys need to step up. They haven't done hardly anything yeah. yet. That's the right. new guys they're have not, been. They're not making a difference right now. No, no, and they should. Well, Broom, but I mean. Um, the the new point guard, the new yeah. uh, forward, whoever Westry and Treyor are not making a difference. Nothing, no. yeah. Treyor has been a liability in some cases, and uh, if I, I I tell you right now, if 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 uh, Flanagan wasn't playing so much better this year, we'd really be in trouble because he's been kind of picking up a lot of the slack from from not having Jabari, which is not something I saw coming at the beginning, you know, before the season. So, well, they've got um, I think a couple more games before the SEC season starts. I think yep. the SEC start, starts at the end of December. So this coming Wednesday, we play Georgia State at home. Okay. And that's the last home game you know, before the holidays. Then we go on the, they go on a West Coast road trip. Oh, they yeah. play at Southern Cal next Sunday. That'll be interesting. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Be interesting. Sunday, Sunday, okay. Sunday. Let me... Two seconds. I'm going to see what time that game is. The Trojan, um, Southern California. Five five thirty Eastern, four thirty Central. They're a fantastic song. And that and that's on ESPN's late Sunday afternoon. So, All right. and then um, then the Wednesday, December twenty first, we play at University of Washington, um, and that's a nine Eastern ah. Central. As Lee Corso would say, the Washington Huskies. Nice. That game, unfortunately, I think that game is a Pac-12 network, so we all may be just listening on the radio. You gotta so. be kidding. How is that? Oh, no. Surely it'll be on, like, ESPN Plus, though. Ooh, ESPN sure. Plus pretty much has the right to show anything, including, like, Ukrainian field hockey games. So surely they'll find a way to pipe it over to they, us. I was going to say, they... They can get that Ukrainian stuff, but they can't get it at a Pac-12. Can't get the Pac-12. <laughs> Who can? I'm pretty confident. I do not have the Pac-12 package in my in my YouTube TV cable package. I'm I'm gonna bet that I do not have. I think the Pac-12 conference goes out over like a string on two cans tied together. Is the way they transmit it, right? I think I think you have to be. I think it only. I think the Pac-12 network is sent out on Betamax tapes through FedEx to watch. I think that's how they transmit their games out. You get a you get an envelope in the mail and you tear it open there's a Betamax tape. I'm pretty sure that's how the Pac-12 works. Probably 80% of our listeners have no idea what Betamax is. <laughs> I don't know. I think our listeners are a different breed. Right? Some, was it somebody last week said we don't have the biggest audience but we have a very selective audience. And I like that. I don't have a choice but to like that, so I like it. I'll take it. I'll take whatever I can get. But yeah, I think that's pretty sure it's 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 Betamax format. You know what? It may be PAL. It may be that the Pac-12 tape comes and it's PAL. P A L. 
laser disc? It may be on a laser. They may have upgraded to laser disc. Yeah. They may even have moved away from mono audio on the Pac-12 network. That would be awesome if they got to like stereo. Can you imagine seeing those Arizona State versus Oregon State games with stereo audio on your on your Betamax deck on your PAL TV? You, I I think that I think that when your Pac-12 t- uh, disc or tape comes, you have to screw the connector to the back of your TV and put it on channel three. I'm pretty sure you have a little sliding switch and you screw it on and it's got like channel three and Pac-12 network and you slide the little switch from channel three <laughs> to Pac-12 network. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. <laughs> I think that's how it works, John. I'm glad we had this little segment of Help me. This, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Technical assistance. <laughs> this is the central... No, this has been the Pac-12 Access Report. There you go. All you'd ever want to know. All right, so Southern Cal and Washington, we're raiding the Pac-12, got Georgia State, and I assume after that, we usually start off... The, it seems like we always start the season off playing Georgia. Am I crazy, or does it just seem like Georgia's like our first game usually coming out of the shoot in basketball? Mm, Maybe. Eh, it's random. I think it's like, more random. It's not going to be Kentucky or anything. It's never like... It's never Kentucky or Arkansas or anything like that. It usually... It seems like it's usually like no, it's, Georgia, it's, Tennessee. It's Florida at home. Ah, well, at home. Yeah. Okay. It's Florida right. in Neville Arena the Wednesday... <sighs> You know, between Christmas and New Year's. All right. I'm just saying because I... You're right. The second game is at Georgia. It's always, yes, at Georgia. I don't... I still can't believe we haven't won at Florida since, like... When was it? Like Cliff Ellis or something? It's a long time. It's in the book. But we haven't won at Florida in ages and ages and ages. And I thought last year we were going to break it finally, and we didn't. We lost again, so... I don't know when we ever. I don't. We may not even play at Florida this this coming year. But good gosh, I'm so tired of them. All right, um, I want to note real quick programming note before we get into the patrons that um, if you are a big World Cup follower like me, um, and by the way, I, I'm not a I'm not a huge soccer fan. I've tried. I've gone. I've, I, I tried being a Clemson. I mean, a, oh my god, tried being a. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna scratch that. <laughs> Hold on, I keep hitting the wrong button. There we go. I've tried being a Chelsea fan for a while, and I still kind of favor Chelsea because they're the blue team in the sea of red but in the, in the English Premier League. But um, I just like the World Cup because you and I are political science majors, and I like the idea of, like, World War III but without nuclear weapons. You know, it's like you go out there and kick soccer balls at each other instead of bombs. So that's what I like about the World Cup is I like the international aspect of it. But, but yet it's sports that are cooler than, like, gymnastics and swimming and stuff to me so uh that's why i like it but anyway if you like the world cup uh if you're listening to this on tuesday there's a game at one which will be argentina croatia which should be a lot of fun and then uh wednesday at one is morocco the the, they're they're basically like the um the 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 george mason isn't that right 16 seed yeah they're the 16 seed that's gotten all the way to this to the final four 
going up against um, France. France. Oh yeah, who is definitely a number one seed coming in. So uh, that should be a lot of fun. Of course, Croatia knocked out another number one seed, Brazil. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Going to be very interesting to see what happens. All right, we got to thank the patrons, and we did get an awesome uh, anonymous donor. We don't get those too often, but when we do, we're really appreciative. So thank you, anonymous donor. And with that said, here are the fine folks who keep our show going. Um, I really appreciate one thing, John, that we have not had a lot of attrition. You know, what tends to happen is when football season kind of comes to an end, particularly in years that are disappointing, um, we, we usually lose some, some patrons. And uh, after our controversial two episodes ago episode, I was afraid we'd lose even more, even though it's had almost 3,000 downloads now. I don't know why, but you know. But you know what? We, we've barely, we're pretty much holding even. And I just want to thank, I want to thank each individual patron for sticking with us and hanging in there because we got to pay the bills and we need you guys and we appreciate you so much. Uh, plus, we try, we're trying really hard to provide added value. John's been doing the we did the we did the World Cup picks. We just finished our Formula One season. We just started the bowl pick them. In fact, you've still got time. There has not been a bowl game yet. We ju- John just sent out the bowl pick them email a couple of days to go- ago. So if you want to get in in the bowl pick them and compete with John, compete with me, compete with the other patrons, and by far most importantly, show that little tiger who's boss that this just like dominates and thinks he's everything and then goes tri- on, on a trip by himself um that would be boris au tiger um then join up become a patron and when you do we will send you and if you don't get an email just uh send us if you if you become a patron in the next couple of days next few days and you want to do the bowl pick them just go ahead and email auwishbone at gmail.com. Say, I'm a new patron. John, send me the link, and John will hook you up. Is that not correct? 100% correct. There we go. All right. Here and, and are the, the first bowl. The first bowl is like 11 a.m. on Friday, so that's your deadline. There you go. You got, yeah, you got to get it cracking here. Get it going. I think UAB is in the first bowl game of the season. One of the first two, I will look while you're Okay. There we go. All right, here are the fine folks who currently, and, and by the way, I didn't say how you do it. Here's how you do it. Go to www.auwishbone.com, www.auwishbone.com. Go there, click on the big orange button to become a patron. While you're there, there's a lot of other st- cool stuff you can check out, like there's the We Believe series of videos that kind of go along with our book. Uh, there's other, there's the there's the Nissan Heisman House ad that you can check out with the ESPN interview with me. There's um, all kinds of cool stuff on there. But click on the big orange button, become a patron, and here are the fine folks currently keeping the show going. They include uh, uh, Samuel Salvatore, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Boris the Tiger's Burner account. <laughs> Boris is very curious about that. He didn't realize he had, he had made that part of his... Uh, it made it known, so he's very interested, very intrigued. Uh, Carl Von Drunker, and Kanzian, Bradley Blackman, Daniel Odom, Gary Grant, a.k.a. AU Fan at KSC, Logan Chilton, and, uh, and well, literally... Hey, there goes Tankman! Yeah, there he goes. Uh, Matthew Flowers, Michael Kirshner, Phil Amthor, who is the master sommelier at... Uh, Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage! Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage! He is indeed Richard Stevens, Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden, 
Auburn has a freeze warning according to multiple sources. Basketball season plus the basketball book, a winning combination since 2022. Ben Bloodworth, Chris Hilton, go crazy Cadillac, go crazy. Chris Thrash, Clay Henson, Dan Thompson, Earl Ricks, Eric Morgan, Bobby. Freeze warning has a new meaning after John's breakdown of the hire. Oh, interesting. I like that perspective. I... 76 Tiger Esquire, a reputed sleazy shyster, offer to defend John. Okay, interesting. This all refers back to two episodes ago. If you're a new listener, just go to go to uh, www.auwishbone.com and you can scroll back to our um, Hugh Freeze welcoming aboard uh, episode. Not required listening. Not required listening, just in case you're wondering. Jacob, it was it was fun. The last 20 minutes are really fun. Jacob and Robin Fleming, John Atsuki, Catherine England. Kevin Smith, Logan, Mickey B, no one fights like Gaston, Algo Rhythm and Blues, Paul Miles, Phil Davis, Reynolds Wolf, Rich Reimer, Rusty Owen, Sarah Brown, Steve Harlan, Theodore Gary, War Eagle Always, Warhammer 6, WD, Richie, it's Hugh Freeze time, Wes Atkinson, plus William Morgan, Wilson Beard, um... Ah, when Carol heard Cadillac is taking over, was taking over the reins and said... Good. Yeah. Good. Now we're having fun. That's right. Winston Body, returning to everything school. Yay. Auburn Blue, Blake Heron, Boris, the aforementioned Tiger defending champion of the Bull Pick'em, Brand- and World Traveler, Brandon Smith, Bubba Jack, Carter Glaus, Colby Butler, Corey Smyer, David Simpson, Dibama, Hugh Anderson, Josh Benefield, Josh Teal, Kevin Mahan, Lane Middleton, Luther and Kelly Ottaway, Papa Todd, Patrick Williams, and our one-time and anonymous donors. Okay. Patrick wants to hurry us along, I guess. R- Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Stephen Houston, Tim Pittman, Tony Perry, uh, we want access to College Bowl Pick'em. Well, you if you haven't got it, just email uh, auwishbone at gmail.com and tell John to and, and include, and yeah, and tell John you are a new patron and he will set you up. Uh, or if you're not a new patron and you just didn't get the email, do the same thing. Weagle87, at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. AJ Herman, official social media monitor for Auburn Tackle Football Coach Hugh Sleaze. Okay. Alex Nguyen, Ben Amos, Ben Hanshu, Ben Regus, Brian Albanese, Charles Mooney, Chris Como, Chris Braun, Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Benzani. I'm missing my category, mister. Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, Daniel Witten, Darren Pyle, and finally, Elizabeth Donald, escort Hugh Freeze elsewhere. We got some folks that have some things to say. Uh, we uh, we got to get better at celebrating. I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jason Louisa Skull Albrecht, Jeremiah Schumann, Jim McCrory, Joey Miller, Joseph Iliff, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Kenneth Brent Rains, the barbecue. You have failed me for the last time. AKA Auburn Dad for Life, Mark Squire, MVP, Captivating Kathy, Kathy Bright. Your love of the half things leap has clearly slowed your mind. I don't know that's true about Kathy. Paul Bankson, prayers. Oh, well, prayers from Mike Leach and his family. We're going to get to that in just a minute. Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland. Spanky is the homeless guy that lives in the unisex bathroom at... Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage. 
Sports Illustrated's Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, thank you for my basketball book. Oh, good, I'm glad it arrived. The Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson. When Freeze wins John over, we can say, <laughs> we can say it is... A miracle of turned hair! A miracle of turned hair! Probably so. Brant Rumble plus our one-time and anonymous donors, including, again, the one we had this week that was really, really nice. Okay. Uh, www.auwishbone.com. I wanted to mention the basketball book. I am about to send 25 more copies down to the AU bookstore in Haley Center because we blew out of all the ones that they had available at our book signing last month. And uh, so they will have some more one way or another. I'm still trying to figure out about J&M. I've talked to them a couple of times. They sound interested, but then we don't hear from them. But uh, definitely going to have an AU bookstore. But in the meantime, they're at, they're at Amazon. And that's one other thing. If you are a patron, if you are a new patron particularly, and you may not know, uh, if you want a signed copy of the basketball book, and particularly the hardcover, it's pretty much patrons only. But uh, just again, if you're a patron and you want to get a copy paperback or hardcover, just drop an email to uh, auwishbone at gmail.com and kind of tell us exactly what you want, and we will get right back to you with the information about it. And I'll just point out, um, believe me, if we could just give all the patrons free books, that would be awesome. But those things are expensive. We don't make any profit off the hardcovers. That's purely a special patron benefit. Pretty much we do at cost. Uh, the, the paperbacks, thankfully, we do make a little bit off of. But the hardcovers are like one-offs, like uh, what's the word, you know, um, when it's like a special one one made just for the, I can't think of the word, Etsy, that kind of thing, you know. Uh, bespoke. Handcrafted Hand, bespoke. Bespoke. It's a handcrafted book, especially it is. for you. So, yeah, that's, that's why we, because I, I know people are like, well, you know, I, I send you money. Why don't I get a free book? I'm like, well, you send us money to pay the bills for the show. The book costs a lot, <laughs> so we have to get you to you know, at least break even on it is the main thing. So, All right. Um, do we have anything else going on? We have a guess the game, but I don't think I've downloaded it yet. So let's go ahead and do listener. Right, be bef yes, before we leap ahead, I just want to give a quick update about the World Cup pool. Oh, yeah. Uh, that you mentioned earlier. I forgot. Uh, Thank we've you. Had a, you know, we have about 30 patrons in that. Again, Maryland Aub is in first place, uh, followed by Game of Throw-Ins and Run to Ball and Kick It. <laughs> um, Van uh, Forza Plexico is tied for fifth, uh, and I am way down the list, to tied for sixteenth with the uh, the Slinko family and uh, you know some other people. But uh, so again, a good fair competition. It could come down to who you know these last few matches. So I'm interested to see uh, what happens there. You know, I got to say something about that because this is really frustrating to me. I forgot. To um, I forgot to do my picks for the for the round of sixteen games one two three and four. So I missed all of those, and they were worth two points apiece. And so I calculated. I was like, well, what I would have actually gotten all four of them right, and I would be in second place right now. I'd given up. I thought, man, I did so bad in the first round. I'm done, and I'm so mad at myself now. <laughs> Because I would be in, I would be, in, I would be second place, and it's it's, I didn't it's, do my, it either. So I, it's good. It's um, I you know all I can do is blame yourself. I that's right. I am. I'm blaming myself. All right, you want to do? Uh, and thanks for remembering that. Do you want to do guess the game? 
I'm ready now. Bring it. Oh, by the way, Jared sent me a couple of new cool files. I just haven't had a chance again to uh, to get them set up, but he got to send us some really cool things. But here is our old standby. Hello, Van, John, the rest of the AU Wishbone family. This is Jared Ulrich, the yard sale artist here with Guess the Game. And if you notice, the intro music has changed because it is now basketball season uh, but yeah. we still have a football guess the game for guess the game number 73 guess the game 73 is brought to you by listener steven houston and this is what steven sent in never missed an extra point 36 of 36 the kick is up no it was a bad snap yeah low and inside on the snap had to put it down on a strange spot There was a flag down on that play. Stunned silence in this stadium. Personal foul, number nine. Okay, I will see you guys in the hint file. Okay. I remember, I don't remember the game, but I remember <laughs> this This happened when Gus was a coach. They, we had a long streak of extra points. We missed one. It may have, forget who, it may have been Elder Carlson, but I'm not sure. And But we missed one, but the other team, I think, did that thing where they jumped, they, you know, jumped on the center mm-hmm. or whatever, and you're not allowed to do that. Um, and they got a personal foul for it. Um, I don't think it was roughing the kicker. I think it was some other penalty where they, like, the guy, you know, like, jumped over the center or whatever, or jumped on the center. Um but I don't. I do not remember what game this was. But it was clearly a game where an extra point mattered, right? Where it was close. Okay, I'm thinking of two games. What you're you're making me think of when we played Vanderbilt in mm. Auburn, and they had a guy that jumped over our offensive line to try to block our kick. Does Jamie that ring Howard. a huh? The, the the really good linebacker they had. Yeah. Okay. That. But I don't think that's this. Let me tell you my other suspicion. And it didn't, I don't know if it sounded like this because this sounded too new. It sounded a little weird. I, was gonna, I didn't go to the announcer thing because I wasn't sure who the heck that was. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't our guys. That was that was like a TV broadcast. And it, and it didn't, wasn't a TV broadcast. It was not a TV broadcast I recognized. Right, right. And it was not Rod and it wasn't Jim yeah. and it wasn't Andy. All right. But here's the game situation that this reminds me of. And you tell me if I'm wrong here. 2004 LSU, we scored the touchdown to um, to um, tie the game. Our it our was- great receiver on that team. We had all those good receivers, but he was the one that was probably the most dependable, the possession guy. Courtney Taylor. Courtney Taylor caught the caught the pass. That made it nine to nine, I think. Yes, that's and correct. And then we missed the extra point, but they had a penalty on Saban's LSU team. And we got to re-kick it, and we beat them 10-9? I like it. I like this. I, that, that did happen at the end of that game. So I like, I like that call. But it didn't – it just sounded too new, though. And it didn't sound like – wouldn't that game have been broadcast by, like, CBS or something in, like, 2.30? That sounded like Jefferson Pilot dudes or something to me. All right, let's listen to the hint. We, we've yeah. – all right. We're, we're, we're putting our chips kind of on that, but I'm not, I'm not sold. But it, it seems to – fit you know what i'm saying it just 
I like it. All right, here's the hint file. I always forget we have a hint file when we start doing this. All right, gentlemen, let's get rid of those bleeps and give it a listen. John Vaughn never missed an extra point. 36 of 36. The kick is up. No! It was a bad snap. Yeah, low and inside on the snap. Had to put it down on a strange spot. There was a flag down on that play. Stunned silence in the stadium. Well, that would Personal be Jordan foul, here. Number nine. Yes, yes, I think you probably have it. I will see you in the answer file. Well, the only thing we got out of the hint file was John Vaughn, but he was the kicker in 04. Right, and so it, I think your your answer is exactly correct. Ed. And that, the, the only game in 04 that had that kind of moment. Ed. And... and Stunned silence would be Jordan Hare. Yes. All right. We're going to go LSU 04. The, yeah, the opposing fans would not have been stunned silence if we missed an extra point. Right. No, no, no. All right, John Van. The answer is Auburn playing LSU in 2004. It was just so sad to see Nick Saban take that loss. Ah, and yeah. I felt really bad Please for him. Please clap. Hang on. I'll try it again. I felt really bad for him. I don't know which one was more believable. Anyway, if you want to be like Stephen Houston and send in a guess the game, there's lots of ways you can do that. I am at Yard Sale Artist on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or you can email me directly. I am Jared, that's J-A-R-R-O-D, at theyardsaleartist.com. Until next time, fan, John, War Eagle. There goes the Airwolf. Thank you, Jared. You know why we won that game. That's it. All right. I, 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 I want to take a moment. Stop the podcast, okay? Uh, 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 I hold did, on. I did rewatch the extended director's cut version, which is on Amazon Prime this past week. So. You watched it. I have seen it before, but I watched it again. Well, but this, had you seen the full version or the crap version? Because they're very I, different. The first time I ever saw it, I saw what you described as the crap version, the it's theatrical so version. It's terrible, terrible, then, terrible. Then, then I saw the the good version, and, and but I didn't really remember it. And then I this past weekend I watched the the full. Uh, they have like the extended director's cut on Amazon, or something. like three and a half hours. Oh yeah, the road it show. A, it was not a one moment sitting. And so, so. so? I was funny to see the quotes come through. That was my favorite. <laughs> and the guy goes, "You sit at my table." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> you sit at my table. That's it. That's it. I don't know. You're it's make you're watching this movie about the crusades and the clash between civilizations and you're like, "This makes me think of football." <laughs> God, it's a stupid soundboard again and again in this movie. What is happening here? Oh, my God. That is so great. That uh, This is true. Yes, that's right. So is it? So, did you watch it by yourself? Did you watch it with the family? What? How did it go? Yes, just me. Just you. And is it? was it not like just the greatest experience of your life? <laughs> the soundboard thing really distracted me, but I did enjoy it. So. It's such a good movie, man. It's like my number four all-time favorite movie. It's so good. It's. Just, I just love everything about it. It's just... Uh, it just appeals on so many levels, and it's and it's kind of a it's a mostly true story too, which is even cooler. So, yeah. all right, all right. You know, by the way, he's got a um, he's got a new movie coming up soon, the Napoleon 
movie that I just cannot wait for. Oh, one other thing I'll say about it. I didn't mean to go down this path, but if you like Kingdom of Heaven, especially extended version, uh, the 2010, I think, version of Robin Hood that he did with Russell Crowe, it's not a great Robin Hood movie by itself. You don't get really any of the stuff you expect from a Robin Hood movie much. But if you watch it right after Kingdom of Heaven, it's kind of like an indirect sequel because at the end of Kingdom of Heaven... Richard the Lionheart of England is going off on the Crusades and the Robin Hood movie picks up with him coming back and just picks right up there with a different set of characters but the same, you know, situation and all. So I always like to follow up Kingdom of Heaven with a good Robin Hood extended version too. It's just, it's the, it's like, you know, there's the MCU and there's the DC extended universe. This is like the Ridley Scottiverse and I really like it. I really like it a lot. So anyway, can't wait for Napoleon. Um, uh, we got, uh, let's see, let me go and knock on Mira's door here. Thank you. Order questions to the Prime Minister. It's time for listener questions. Dun, 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 on the AU Wishbone Podcast. All right, what's in the mailbox? Box? Mailbox. What's in the mailbox right. this week, John? First email is from uh, Jim McCrory. says, Van and John, it's recruiting season, and I keep hearing about the blue chip ratio which is the percentage of players on a roster that are four or five-star recruits. Um, and he included the, the rates for last year. Any idea of how many four or five-stars we need to sign during this recruiting cycle, including transfers, to stay above 50% or even get back to 60%? I feel this could be a first time in many years our roster could fall below 50% thanks to the potato. Um, <laughs> I like the use of potato there. That was good. No, that's a really good question, and I've been wondering, hand wringing a little bit about it myself. Do you have any thoughts on it? Because I really don't know. Yeah, so I, I well, I, I had some thoughts, but then Justin Ferguson actually went and did the math for me. There so you go. At the end, and going into 2022, we were at 54%. So we were the, like the lowest team that was still in the positive. And you have to be above 50% to be in the blue chip ratio, which is right. the ratio of four and five stars to everybody else on your roster. Yeah, basically. There you go. Right. You want to be stars matter, as they say. That is. It, it, it's, you know, you got to have players. Uh, players make plays. So uh, now the, the blue chip ratio that Bud Elliott runs this, this is his metric. They have not fully accounted for transfers in the metric. They have only been looking mm. at signees. So okay. you we know that does not affect reality on the yes. Auburn class. And, and that we have taken some transfers in that were not four-star players over the last few years. Um, yeah, it's true. So, and we're losing the 2019 class, which had a very talented uh, group of players in it. Yeah. Um, but the lower amount of signees, actually, in some of the Harson classes, actually kind of help us. So, the 2020 class had 17 blue chips out of 27. The 2021 uh, class had seven blue chips out of 19, and the 2022 class had 10 blue chips and 17. It actually had one more signee, but that other guy was Trey Donaldson, who became basketball only. So that's a total of 34 blue chip players and 63 signees for 54%, basically. So he so, actually helped us by not bringing in many lower-ranked players. That's true. So <laughs> if, if, if this was all that it was, we could only – we had to sign, at worst, you know, three more – three stars, then blue chips, and we'd stay in. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the answer to Jim's question. Well, um, I we talked last week about how 
the one thing you can say about the recruiting class we were working on before we hired Hugh Freeze yes. was that it was small, but it was all four stars. It was almost all four stars. There were no fives, but there were like no hardly any two or threes. That's true. And we, we had a couple of guys decommit, but now we're kind of turning around going the other way. we got some guys committing now, and you're going to see more commitments in the next few days. So I think I think we're in pretty good shape there. I, just, I find it hard to imagine players decommitting now. Why would you look at the well, situation we were in last year and think, yeah, man, I want to be part of that, and then look at the situation now and go, oh, no, I'm, I don't want to be part of that. I, I, well, I think some of them, they had relationships with coaches who weren't here. Yeah. I think that's, it's about relationships. It's about relationships. Yeah, that's true. Oh, well. Um, all right. And the next email is from uh, Josh Corbett, who says, um, now that the staff is running out of both coordinators have been named, I have two questions. What do y'all expect when it comes to offensive play calling? My gut says freeze, let's go a little since he brought in a guy with some experience. And he says, what is y'all's expectation of the rating um, – this recruiting class receives. We have some coaches that can fight out recruit. I say anything less than 25th rated class is a failure, but I may be over-speculating. Um, anyways, well, love the show is always War Eagle. Josh Gordon. You said you expect the number to go up up higher than we would have expected, right? Yeah, I'm saying 20th at, mm-hmm. at the worst. And again, I that's what taken over at this late date with no relationships and, and all this other stuff. I think – you know, a year from now, we had to be we had to get a top ten recruiting class with this group. Yeah, that's yeah. My, that's I didn't the, I didn't get the first part of his of his question. Now, the second part was about what, how is it going to finish. But his first part is what do you expect when it comes to offensive play calling? Oh, right. I, I think we well, covered a lot of that. Yeah, I think we kind of talked about the, at the top of the show. Yeah. All right. Um, this is a next email from Bill Miner, and the subject line of his email is Santa's wish list, <laughs> and he says, "Guys, in the spirit of the season, what do you?" What do you think, one, the athletic department, two, the football team, and three, the basketball team would write asking Santa for? Also, do you think all good to get it, or do they get coal in their stocking? <laughs> well, I think the basketball team wants like a three-point shooter, and they want their freshmen to kind of wake up. That's the main and thing they that want they some, need. Right they now. want somebody in that team to turn into like a dead-eye outside shooter. Yeah, that That's would be really good. Um, what do you think about the football team? Just bring in some of these Grayson, big... Grayson McCall in the stockings. That's pretty good to me. That would be excellent. Yeah, I think that would get the ball rolling. That's the pebble rolling down the hill that starts the avalanche, maybe. That and the athletic department good. overall, I'm just going to say, like, a big uh, stocky full of NIL money for all the athletes. Oh, the for everybody, yeah. Yeah, sounds good. All right, and last email is from Justin uh, uh, Yeager, who says, John, and this is an email to me about the, the recent uh, episodes. He says, yes. John... Don't let public opinion change you. If you've got hate in your heart, let it out. In fact, I think you should have a new segment called Hate and Ass Ringer, where vanless freezes objectively good accomplishments and John systematically tears them down. <laughs> he says, seriously, though, we all just want what's best for Auburn, and I'll support a head coach until they give me a reason not to. I, I like that we, we've had messages and emails su- that supported your your stand and messages and emails that were uh, opposed to it, maybe. But I like that one because that one just kind of says, just, just let it go. Let it fly. Oh, that's good. That's good. All right. So I guess our last stop, we're going to hop in the car, hop in Mobile, and take a little trip. Let's take a trip around the SEC. 
But here, there are no civilized rules. It's true. All right. Um, time to talk about. First, we got to talk about Leach for a moment, who was hospitalized after a massive heart attack Saturday. Yeah. He's in critical condition, does not look good. So, this. Some stories that they moved him into hospice care. So, uh, yeah, it was it was unfortunate because the story came out that there was something wrong with him and that they had had to use a helicopter to fly him out. And there was a delay in terms of the weather and getting him out. There was apparently a delay in even getting him any treatment between when it happened and when he was able to get medical treatment. And we didn't even know exactly what had happened to him for a while. And there was a lot of speculation, but um, it sounds like now a heart attack, right? But he, he clearly had had some health issues this season. If you saw him in the second season, he looked rough. He looked a little gray, kind of. Yeah. Not, not good. good. So anyhow, our thoughts and prayers with he and his family. Of so. course, yeah. So, and I believe and that it, the um, the the interim like coach that they have, kind of taking over the program right now, is the guy that we actually were looking at hiring as our defensive coordinator briefly. Yes, Arnett is the defense coordinator for Mississippi State, who was on our list, and. Who? One of the reasons he didn't come is because, you know, there was some rumors about Leach. So, yeah. wow. Okay. Uh, what else is going on around the SEC? We got. Um, well, I, I want to propose that we hold the Big Bowl preview until next week. Okay. The only game that will happen between now and uh, next week's podcast is Florida against Oregon State in the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl. <sighs> Oh, the SRS Distribution Bowl. You know, John, when I need my SRS is distributed, I go to Las Vegas. You should, too. Go to SRS, Go to Vegas for all your SRS distribution needs. That's I all thought I we say. were going to wax uh, philosophic about the, you know, 75 years ago when, you know, young men from different parts of the country wanted to play in the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl. <laughs> well. Back in the good old days when we used to play, we had, there were five bowl games, Johnny. There was the Sugar Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the Orange Bowl, the Rose Bowl, and the granddaddy of them all, the SRS Distribution Bowl. Those were the five, Johnny. There you go. And I'm just going to, I mean, again, I'm not giving away everything, but don't sleep on Oregon State in this game matchup against Florida, so. No. No, 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 not at all. Because they've been playing some good football. And Florida is one of these just like Jekyll and Hyde teams. You don't know what you're going to get when you open up a box of Florida. And who's excited to be there? Again, but another thing I want to – again, this is now an SEC-tied bowl game. In the future, there's a chance if we have have not a great season – we could be Auburn could be in a bowl in Vegas. Just uh, for like the fifth time tonight. I whoa! I just want to say I've written a best-selling, award-winning book about Las Vegas, albeit 1965, but I've never actually been there. So if Auburn ends up in the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl, the granddaddy of them all, I will try to go. And if you go, we can meet up and do a show or something there from outside. The, the Ocean's Eleven uh, Casino, what you call it, the Baca Baca Rock or whatever it's called, the the Bacchanalia, the Baca. I, I was gonna, I thought you were gonna Buchanan. say outside the SRS distribution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well that. Yeah, the what's it called? What's the big one called there that starts with a B? I can't think of it now. I oh, will. Bellagio. Bellagio, that's it. Yeah, maybe we'll sit out there at the fountain and do it. That'd be cool. All right, that's on our bucket list. We'll see. So we'll um, save the. We will. 
allocate our time better next week. Hopefully there'll be less news. We'll spend a bunch of time talking yeah. about SEC bowl games. And- Had a lot of news this week. All right, so let's we'll talk about the <laughs> Duluth Trading Cure Bowl. God, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. I, oh I'm going to make up some bowl sponsors next week and just see if I can get them by the van. Oh, my gosh. Well, there's the Tax Act and the Tax Slayer Bowl. So there's a lot of tax. Bowls have more taxes than I ever knew. That's crazy. That's death and taxes and bowl games are the three things that are inevitable, I guess, these days. So... All right. Well, then we'll save that. We'll save that for a big bowl preview episode, and I'll keep running the football intro rather than the basketball one until we're done with all this. So, any final thoughts this week before we shuffle off into the sunset for another week? No, other than, you know, um, the only constant is change. But yeah. also, as we say many times, the college football season is very, goes by very fast. And <sighs> soon, we'd, all we have left is a few fleeting bowl games, and it will be gone. Yeah, and all we look back on is. Memories of our departed potato, our awesome Cadillac, and our new Freezy coach. And what a lot of change. Three coaches in one year, basically. It's been quite the year. Quite the tumultuous time for the Auburn fan out there in your life. All right. um, Everybody enjoy the last uh, three World Cup games. And we will see you guys next. War Eagle, John. Oh, our our time is up. We thank you for yours. War Eagle, John. War Eagle, man. Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at auwishbone and at facebook.com slash auwishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.